Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm kind of mad. Why are you mad? Because I realized something. What's up? That we have a special guest host, and you have already told her about how you like the pre-show to go, because she tried to get me to spoil all of my secrets about what I wanted to talk about tonight. Oh, no, 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 no. You just started talking. <laughs> yes, yes, I am a human being. I can. I know. Talk. I, I didn't. It was not intentional. It was not intentional. It, you just, you just let it. You just started going, and you said I don't let you talk about Game of Thrones, so I just let you talk. I just, you, you act so innocent. Because I so am so innocent. I am innocent. Oh God! All right, Lindsay. I have our, all right, we have a special guest host tonight. Um, she does all of our fan art for our channel. And I'm so glad to have her here, even though she's already ganging up on me with Will. Please welcome Lindsay to the show. Hey, guys. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to talking about a show that Will does not watch. (laughs) All right. Pleasantries aside, is Will innocent or did he tell you how to go about the pre-show manipulation that just occurred? Uh, No comment. (laughs) Yeah. Guilty as charged. Yeah, see, we, 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 Lindsay and I have, we're, we're members of the Rush family, so we, uh, <laughs> right. so, uh, so we, uh, we go back a ways too, so. Yeah, you gotta stick your hand everything. <laughs> I know, they they know what that means. <laughs> Get schooled on your music. Get schooled on oh. your music. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we're not talking about Disney Plus tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> what Every- do you want to talk about it though, Will? I'm curious. Oh no! It's just you know we were having our news roundup and with Star Wars celebration, and yeah, you know, I just realized that after honestly, I had made a note to talk with you about it Sunday when we recorded, but I just never got around to it because it just never really was a good place. So it's cheaper than Netflix. That's all I have to say. It is. It is, and it may have good shows or it may not. So well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean. It looks like uh, I know folks are disappointed that Netflix dropped all the Marvel shows, but I guess we're getting parts of the Avengers saga continuing on on Disney Plus and with uh, with WandaVision and I guess Hawkeye, even though I I don't know. I can't help but I already start thinking Arrow comparisons, but, you know, we'll we'll go there. We'll get there when we get there. (laughs) Yeah, there's something that until I see some actual tape of what they do with those shows, somehow I just don't think it's real. Like, it's it's weird. I know they've said that this is what we're going to do, but for some reason I don't know where the quality is going to be with those shows at all. So Yeah, they uh, the Loki show that they announced, they've already kind of pulled a bait and switch. They got everyone excited by saying Tom Hiddleston is going to be part of it. And then later they said, oh, well, he's just doing the narration. So, yes, pointing the direction they're already taking with some of these shows. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably, you know, I can, and I could see that with like the Hawkeye show. I mean, because Jerry Mariner's pretty active as far as his movie career. And it's one of those things where will he actually, one, how many episodes are going to do? Is it going to be a 10 episode run, 15? Mm-hmm. And, and then so, you know, the jury's still out. It, I do think that it's 
you know, the, the things that they have on this channel, because you're, you're going to have the whole universe of all the Marvel stuff, Disney, Star Wars, you name it. So it's a very intriguing concept, and, I mean, Netflix will have to step up their game. Uh, right. It's interesting because it makes me wonder with the Netflix Marvel shows, what percentage was Netflix and what percentage was Marvel? Because I guarantee you that Netflix was what made those shows great, not Marvel. Their effort into those shows. Yeah, and, and Netflix right now has this thing I like to call Noah Centineo. And um, so I think they're fine. I think they're fine without Marvel. They have Noah. <laughs> <laughs> They really do. Like the kid, they just dropped another movie with him uh, this past weekend. So it's just crazy how they're kind of taking those movies that they, you know, those Disney Channel movie original movies that they did. <laughs> like they they've they've escalated it to Netflix like melodrama, high school love, coming of age films. Like it's all now on Netflix. Which makes sense considering, I mean, a lot of people feel threatened by the streaming services as they produce not only more original TV content, but film content. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and people honestly don't go to the movies unless it is for a major event film anymore. So, so where do those, um, those stories get told that kind of don't have the big budget, but are still important and everybody enjoys. Well, you can, you can have them on Netflix or even Amazon. Yeah. Look at uh, Roma, for instance, you know, years Roma. Ago, that would have been in the theaters, but mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Never saw Roma. <laughs> Never saw it. Steven Spiel, Spielberg, though, has just got to be in his bonnet. He was just trying to get that, get the, get the Academy to, you know, they stepped in it again with uh, coming up with crazy rules to the point where it's like USDOJ, I think, got involved. It's like, wait a minute, it's like antitrust or something like potential like that. Yeah, like, that, that whole industry is an old man's club. Yeah. Just let it die. <laughs> I let it die. Um, speaking of a boys club or a boys game, let's talk some Game of Thrones. Uh, Will, did you watch the episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wasn't like all these people on social media everywhere saying, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, fine. You haven't watched it. You just. Oh my God. Thank you. That's so just, annoying. That <laughs> happened? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. That's not. More, I saw it more on Facebook than I did on Twitter, but it, it was just, I mean, really, is this a thing now? I mean, okay, fine. It, it's know. very attention-seeking. It I is. I want to reply, yes, you are the only person who doesn't watch yeah. Game of Thrones. Okay. You are very special. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, Please. I'm just going to, I'm going to rant about these people right now, then I'll let you guys talk. But I'm not going to be one of these, you know, people who like brag that that I oh, like it's like the folks who used to say I don't have a TV you know kind of thing. <laughs> hey, no. I've only said that like a dozen times. No, 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 no. But no, like it's a badge of honor. Like the pretentious, not because you cut the cord, but it's because I'm so good I don't want to watch television. And that's that kind of that kind of vibe with those people who are uh, mean about Game of Thrones, just like they're picking on the guy who like had to cry in tears of joy when he's watching a Star Wars trailer. I'm like, right. come on. Yeah. It's like, just stop. Just stop. And my contribution to the Game of Thrones is this. I didn't watch it. It's not because 
I didn't want to watch it. It's just because, I, you know, and I didn't watch it, but I don't have to broadcast to the whole world that <laughs> that I didn't watch it in some kind of pretentious bullshit way. So that's of my contribution. You. To we'll get your internet points. Yeah. It's going to replace our currency soon enough, so start yep. accumulating them now. Exactly. <laughs> so that's my Game of Thrones contribution. Enjoy, guys. <laughs> I feel like I just walked into the Twilight Zone where I was attending some weird Will Polk support group, and <laughs> I don't support him, so I'm having a hard time as to what to say next. Okay, Lindsay, you came on the show for a reason. Why don't you kick off the Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 1, talk, discussion. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Well, I guess I can say right off the bat that I was pretty pleased with this first episode. I I, I came in with very little to no expectations. It's just been so long that my excitement for the show waned a little bit. But coming back into the show, it felt good. felt like putting on a blanket, nice warm blanket again, warm blanket full of violence. There wasn't that much violence in this episode. Was there? Uh, towards the end, a, a child is lit on fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I, well, yeah. what happened before they even lit him on, on fire was a bit more violent. Luckily, we didn't see that actual part. But, yeah, we we saw the remains of it. My God, that was a horrifying scene um however i love how to juxtapose that that scene they also had one of the best lines leading up to it like oh his eyes are blue oh yeah <laughs> my eyes have always been blue. <laughs> like, that's that's perfect that is comedic timing to a t um i i agree with you i was pleased by this episode this isn't one of the best episodes of game right. of thrones by by no means I was a little shocked by how how familiar it was because of all of the homages to the pilot episode. Yes, I noticed it as well right off the bat with the uh, the music choices. They had not used that specific song other than the pilot episode, I believe. Well, well, you went very nerdy because I did not pick up that. I picked up on all the easy ones, and you're like, he has the music. I'm like, what? You listen to the show? I only watch it. I think I've seen the first episode like five or six times. Oh, my God. I've only seen it like three times. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I love that because – even though I haven't haven't rewatched the pilot episode in so long, I could still felt the familiarity, mm. and and I just I I love how the the writers know what we expected. We all wanted to see Arya and John reunion because that's been just forever since they've been on screen together, and and a few others, and yet. Or, or even the reveal of who Jon Snow really is in terms of this this series. And yet what really delighted me more were the things that I didn't expect and there were small moments. And, and they ended this episode perfectly. And I never in a million years would have figured out or predicted how they ended this episode. Yeah, you're, you're totally right about that. And it's so interesting going from the pilot where we all 
unanimously hate Jamie to this last episode where we're most likely rooting for him. And now he's finding himself in the same uh, the same scenario that he was in before. It's it's so crazy how good writing can really turn you against a character or for a character and acting as well. Well, well, I think it's a testament to the sins and the justice. I mean, so much of the show is about false accusations, people not not looking at everything from a holistic perspective, but very much like, no, that's my family. And and now they're paying for those crimes. Something else they did brilliantly was the Sam and Daenerys scene. Yes. Like Sam's brother and father were douchebags. I would have also burned them if I had a dragon. I'm sorry. They're just they're they'd make no difference to me. And yet to for him to learn about the news and have that emotional breakdown, you do suddenly realize Yes, they were horrible people, yet that's still his dad, that's still his brother, his family. And and was Daenerys right for what she did? Because there are consequences. Like, people can be bad people and still have mean something to others. So I, I'm curious about how that's going to... Um, direct her character for the rest of the season i can't recall the actor's name i feel bad but the, the actor who plays sam and just props to him the way he handled that scene his face you could tell he was holding back emotion but he also didn't want to be rude in front of someone as important as denarius he just mm-hmm. he just nailed that scene it's john that. bradley yeah, okay thank you you're welcome. I had the IMDb and right in front of me because I knew I was going to forget names. <laughs> yeah, but that that's a running theme, not throughout the entire show, but this episode as well. Family coming back to haunt you. Like Sam says to John later, you know, you, you died for you took away the crown and you died for us. Would she do the same? Yeah, thank you. I love that line. That's that's exactly what the situation is. And and the truth of the matter is, I don't think she would. I don't think so either. I think they're setting up a John versus Daenerys scenario. Yeah, even though I still, for some reason, I'm I'm just like John's gonna die at the end of this. He's gonna die. There's. Do you think they'd kill off a character they've already killed off? Um, you know, you can only die twice, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the saying, right? That that's the saying, right? <laughs> I think in Game of Thrones, I don't, I don't know, because I, you know, actually, to go off of that point, something that struck me watching this this episode was how oddly fitting would it be if at the end of this, it really is Sansa on the throne? Wow. One of the most despicable people in the first season who goes through a horrible journey, but comes out the the other side really as that queen. And and it's like she does have some Cersei in her, like strategically, um, but she also still is a Stark at the end of the day. And and there's a nobility. And, and I think that's what she learned on how to both be 
conquering strategic, but also to remain humble and, and faithful to where she comes from. And, and I think maybe that at the end of the day is really where this should go. I mean, move aside all of the John and Daenerys rightful air. Maybe it's always been about Sansa. That's an interesting point. They're definitely setting her up as someone cunning. I mean, all the way back in, what was it, season four, maybe five, with her uh, encounters with Littlefinger. We Mm -hmm. saw some darkness in her then. She was already learning from him. She's learned from Cersei. I might be cynical, but I want to say they're also trying to turn her around as well. I, I don't know if I could see her ending up on the throne, but that would be an interesting turn of events. Yeah, I mean, she, she's right at the end. Like, this episode, <laughs> she is truly right in what she's saying. I love her point about the dragons and the feeding, and it's kind of like, we can only feed so many people here. Is anybody thinking about that? Well, Daenerys has <laughs> a great line. They they eat whatever they want. <laughs> and, well, in that proves that that Daenerys also has some maturity levels too because it's kind of like yeah Daenerys we know they eat whatever they want <laughs> but if they starve will they turn on us <laughs> you're yeah, their mom I was, I was laughing throughout all of that because Daenerys is coming to the north to try to win these people over and she's acting so smug about it she, she mm-hmm. hasn't got those politics down quite right yet obviously you know, if I had sex with John So, I would probably be that conceited and that like confident <laughs> too. I would walk into Winterfoot felt like, yeah, I just I banged your king. Oh well. <laughs> you have a point there. I mean, we all saw the final episode in some of those scenes, okay? <laughs> well not well. <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> oh, I sent him screenshots. <laughs> No, it's perfect. He's like, my eyes, my eyes. <laughs> Cut out all the boring stuff. Yeah, scratch your point. <laughs> He's like, sir, we have to keep this DM PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, one of the weirdest parts for me in this entire episode was the John Daenerys dragon, how to fly a dragon sequence. <laughs> really, that was weird to you. Why? It was it was cool as soon as they started flying, but the the scene leading up to it it felt a bit awkward and kind of forced. And when they got off the dragons and they started making out, and then there's that weird moment between John and the dragon. I'm kind of like, what is this? What am I watching right now? Because it just felt forced at the end of the day. Yeah, you're right about that. The, the humor in that was a little forced. It was a little Marvel, meaning out of place. It wasn't really Game of Thrones humor. Yeah, yeah. And this, even though they had that great line towards the end of the of the show, which had perfect humor, I, I'm just like, wait, who's writing this episode? <laughs> a little consistency. Wild theory, and I may be in the minority. I don't think uh, Daenerys and John have any chemistry. So maybe the humor, the forced humor, is their way around working around that. Yeah, well, I mean, when his old love interest he is now married to in real life, it's kind of hard to compete with all this history. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. You that. know nothing, Jon Snow. 
But I'll go back to Sansa real quick. Uh, Again, another surprise that I did not remember until it happened. Sansa and Tyrion were married. Yeah, for, for a whole three episodes. For a whole three episodes. And they haven't seen each other since. And I just, I, these are the reunions that I didn't know I wanted nor needed. And I was still glad. I mean, I, I love how she ends that scene. Like, and I thought you were the cleverest man in the world. There was a time. And, and it's true. Like, even Tyrion, there, there's something about this episode where I'm wondering what they intend to do with his character because he's coming at this in a very different way. And I don't know if it's good or bad because we still don't really understand what was disclosed between him and Cersei during their one-on-one uh, during the season finale last year. Yes, that that's an excellent point. I think the scene with Sansa, I think that's foreshadowing that Tyrion is going to either continue to make mistakes or he's going to betray them and side with his family. Like Jamie, especially now that Jamie's back mm-hmm. in uh, Winterfell, uh they hinted that Bronn will also be going to Winterfell supposedly to kill them, but I mean we know that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, well, I think Brienne would have the best uh, defense for Jamie than Tyrion. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think a fight between Tyrion and Brienne would would go too well for Tyrion. Yeah, well, well, what I'm saying is she she knows why Jamie became the Kingslayer. Yes, yes, she would be able to argue that point, and we we saw in the preview for the next episode that they're interrogating him. Yeah, add I even those few clips for the second episode. I'm like, this feels so familiar and like the earlier seasons. Yeah, it, it's I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It really turned me around in one episode. I, I was pretty low coming into the show again, but now I'm I'm starting to get excited, especially talking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean. I I honestly, some of the stuff I would have cut or I would have just put in maybe a different plot line is I've never been a fan of the Iron Island stuff. Yeah. With the Greyjoys. I, I, it's kind of a running, running plot line and I know why, but at, as soon as he portrayed, um, the Starks in season two, I kind of was just like, oh, I don't really care to follow this line anymore. <laughs> and his uncle is really a douchebag. So there's that. Yeah, he is. I'm looking forward to whatever happens to him. We know it's not going to be good. Yeah. What did he make of Braun in this episode? Well, we get a interesting glimpse into his activities before uh what's his name Kyburn comes in I don't, I don't think I want to comment on that um knowing Braun and how he's acted before I highly doubt he's going to turn against either Tyrion or Jaime for no matter what amount of money that Cersei would offer him so why why would Cersei do that though if she didn't think there was a chance she might underestimate his bond with her brothers 
over money, hmm. love of money. Hmm. Has has she like looking back at the season? Does she as- underestimate people? Hmm. I know she's been underestimated. Yes. A source of her contention for sure. What drives her character? Uh I would I'd say she's underestimated Tyrion. Mm, okay. She underestimated Olena, the, the older woman. Mm-hmm. She probably underestimates Jamie to a degree. I don't think she ever would have thought he would have walked out on her. Yeah, yeah, no, th- those are points, and actually, those are the if she if she if she misunderstood or doesn't understand Bronn, then that all stems from how she's never fully es- correctly estimated Tyrion or Jamie. So that's a fair point. Right. Tywin has a great line. I don't remember the season where you're not as smart as you think you are. And I think that's been true for Cersei in many scenarios. As smart Mm -hmm. as she is, she's not smart as she thinks she is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did have a have a weird hand in basically killing all of her children. So (laughs) she self-fulfilling prophecy check. (laughs) Oops. Hey, well, she's got one more, apparently. Okay. As soon as he said oops, I was like, oops, I did it again. <laughs> oh my god. Wanna make a um, famous video with that song in Game of Thrones, please? <laughs> so another cool encounter that again I I just I love how they dropped all of these in here in one episode to get them over with but also to just like reintroduce us to this world that they've built and it's like a reminder of in in terms of Marvel this is talked a lot about they literally built a universe within the span of 20 something movies and and you get more of the payoffs as people show up or events that happened in one episode or movie are hinted at and or have consequences in another movie. That's what this episode was for me. It's just a reminder of this big world that they've built with all of this history, both before the series even began and while during it, they've created a history and you really start to understand exactly how these people were shaped, how many interactions and different combinations they've had over the years. And yet the betrayals and and um, the friendships that were built too. Gendry, Arya and the Hound. Yes. <laughs> it was like yeah, a lifetime ago. That went by. That was really interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I'm just also a fan of Gendry because he was on Skins. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't recall. Really? The, Chris, the first season? Oh, it's been so long. Oh, my God. He, you he know, if you were... Yeah, he, he, well, he's older and he has a shaved head. So, yeah, he looks... Yeah, he no, looks, not digging the shaved head, actually. No, 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 me neither. Um, I, But... I mean, we have, I have wanted that reunion for so long. And yet when I got it, I was like, oh, that's nice. But now I'm infinite, infinitely more curious about the weapon and also about how she and the hound are they, are going to get along because they've spent like an entire season together. 
Yeah, that that's the scene I liked a little bit more because the Hound is my favorite character. And it, it was a little quicker than I'd hoped, but I think it was perfect in terms of their characters. I think they have an unspoken admiration for each other. Yeah, I she probably really, considering how she experienced her father's death, she really needed to come across the Hound, and she probably sees... She sees some of uh, Ned Stark's nobility in him and how he goes about it. And so I think I think it was a good a father substitute for her. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see them teaming up in some of the battle scenes later in this season, giving each other a little smile. Well, I mean, if the hound's going to go out, I wouldn't mind having him go out trying to protect her. Yes, <laughs> I would love that, actually. I, season four is my favorite. I really loved all of their interactions throughout that season. Just such yeah. a great character dynamic, and you learn so much about the two of them. Yeah, but I'm yeah. biased, of course, because he's my favorite character. Why is he, he your favorite character? Uh, I find him interesting because he's morally gray, and I know that's not saying much in a show full of morally gray characters. Mm-hmm. His, his performance in the first and second season, Rory McCann, he just does such a great job at hinting at something more than other than this tough bodyguard who has a, a chip on his shoulder. You, you can see the humanity behind this character. Yeah, yeah. No, I keep remembering that one episode where I felt like it was all him. I, I, I forget. I've seen images of it, <laughs> but I want to say there was a windmill, and I don't know if that's true. <laughs> You might, you might be thinking of the episode where it's revealed that he's alive. Weren't they building a windmill? Or a church or something. Yeah, something with like a steeple, like a, a yeah. pointed top. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. It was one of the more stranger episodes of Game of Thrones because it just was very disoriented from a worldview perspective. Yeah, it was probably around season six or seven where they finally ran out of book material and they kind of had to... uh write things for themselves for the first time. So some of those episodes in those seasons are a little awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of awkward, like I know we already touched on it before, but I'm just going to bring it up again. Jamie sees Braun and that's how they end the show. And I love that moment because even though, and I should have seen it coming because of all the familiarity with how they open the show and yet I still didn't think to myself, oh, it would be awesome for Jamie to show up. And then he runs immediately into Braun and that's what happened. And I, I just I love that because that's really what started this all. I mean, we we spent so much of our time as viewers invested in that reveal that that um, what, what is the equation? L plus R equals J. And yet. Still, that's not actually what started it all, all in terms of this, just the series alone. It was really the push that Jamie did of Braun out the window that led to a whole sequence of events. Yeah, you're correct. That was the impetus for the entire story to kick off. Started the entire war. Bran falling, being pushed outside the tower and then all the uh, speculation and theorizing about that. Uh, I, I was not, I didn't think this episode would end like that at all. I was very surprised with their brief reunion. Uh, when yeah. Bran earlier in the episode says, I'm waiting for an old friend, I, I didn't think twice about that line until it was revealed to be Jamie. 
The I don't even. That disappoints me is that I, I really hate the direction that Bran's character went. I get it, but it's just so boring. It's so wooden. I didn't even hear that line for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, did he say that? I must have been sleeping or or focused on something non-irrelevant because I don't even remember. But, man, they had that line in there. That's awesome. I want to say it's somewhere in the middle of the episode, and he's still outside. I think he's in the same position, actually, the same spot. I guess they just left him out there, knowing to wheel him around. But he says, yeah, I'm waiting for an old friend. And it turns out that was Jamie. So he must have said it sarcastically. I would yeah. Imagine. He he's very humorous. He's a very sarcastic character. Yeah, yeah, he's just full of personality. <laughs> he's just full of livelihood. No, that's, that's why they leave him outside. <laughs> they forget about him. Let's be honest, we've all forgotten about him because he was on the wall for most of the series. I I agree with you. Like he's not my favorite character. It for so long, I always I, I felt like some of his episodes or plot lines were were the hardest parts for me to get through Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the episode the door happened and honestly Mm -hmm. that is my favorite episode of game of thrones i I love that i love it to pieces i i think it's perfect from start to finish i i can't believe they went there in terms of um time and space and having that element and and it was just so perfect and and I love how despite all of that awe and spectacle, it's rooted in this character that we've known but didn't really understand for seasons and the heartache at the end of that, it still gets me every single time. Um and so for ever since that episode, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's Braun. I respect <laughs> <laughs> right, his journey, what he's been through, at least. Yeah, yeah, because it got me there. Yeah, it's heartbreaking with Hodor. Prediction, yeah. though, are we going to see him return as a White Walker? Are they going to pull on our heartstrings? How dare them? <laughs> my my heart can't take it. Um, I, I'm still young. I, I can't. Um, You know, the sky's the limit. I didn't think they would ever turn a dragon into a White Walker, and they did. Right. So I, I I don't think anybody's off limits. Um but but this okay. I see your point. Is that really what we want to have happen though? Do we want everybody we've come to know to be turned into white walkers and that's how they die? Or or do we want it to be more definitive? It's like, no, no, no. You don't get to just be turned into a white walker. We want some real deaths here. We've only invested like nine years of our lives into this show, which a show known for its deaths. Right. There's definitely the desire there for some finality. But I, I can't help but think of, of one of my favorite lines in the show from my second favorite character, uh, Ramsey. He says to Theon, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. And, and that line really struck me as a hint to the audience. Mm-hmm. So that's always in the back of my mind as I try to figure out in the direction this is going. I've always liked the theory that got out there about the Night King and Bronn. Um, being the same person. Yeah, I've read about that. That that's fascinating. And any, like you said, the sky's the limit with this show. I wouldn't be surprised if that turned out to be the case. That the fans who dig into this material 
and discover these theories. The uh, the L plus R plus or the L plus R equals J was discovered, I think, into the second book. They had figured mm-hmm. out. They pieced the clues together. Fans are insane. Yeah, yeah, but and and that's and I and that tells me that I actually want to see this series end stronger with some of those characters who over the years kind of grew on you rather than it always coming back to John or Daenerys because I, f- I feel like so much of the story has been about them. It is a song of ice and fire, but right. I just, I don't know. I, I want to make sure that ending has to be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they can do it. Um, I think as and, far as George R. R. Martin has said, as he, he's spoken about it, is that he wa- he wanted a bittersweet ending. So that's a really only solid hint on how this is going to go. Yeah. Well, and and that's in align with the show. I mean, the show isn't afraid of consequences, repercussions for actions or anything. So that, that's why... S- some people are a theory in my mind is John ends up dying, but Daenerys is par- pregnant. Okay. He, he lives on. Bittersweet ending. Yeah, that, that um, bittersweet. But she can't have kids, or her kids are dragons only. So that <laughs> that's not so much a bittersweet ending. Um, I'd rather have dragons yeah. than kids, so I'm pretty happy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. It, it's We got, like, so many more hours of this show, but so few of the show remaining. Um, well, I don't I know. That that I'm... This first episode, if, if I do have a negative, is that it felt very fast paced. Like they're cramming in all these moments we wanted to see for so long. What what are they rushing to? What is, what is the bulk of this season going to consist of now that they've got so many major moments out of the way? Well, th- there's, there's going to be that third episode. I think it's episode three where they're going to do the big Winterfell war episode and massive that they spent months hundreds of extras just just long hours so they're building towards that now which to go back to your point what are they rushing to that's only episode three and we have like what six of these or eight and we know they didn't have the money for elephant cgi so uh, you had to bring that up. <laughs> I really wanted to see that. I I don't honest. I don't often agree with Cersei, but I would have wanted the elephants too. I have to say, elephants are pretty cool. Question. That was very meta line. They knew what they were doing when they penned that. What were they doing? <laughs> they knew that the audience was also expecting elephants, so they made a point to have someone say it for them. Yeah, there's only six episodes left. So, so they got five more. Episode three is the Winterfell. So, I don't know. I, I, I can only expect more wars. Something, King Landing is gonna get it. Mm. They're gonna get gutted. I would think that's probably towards the end of the season. So, and, yeah, the, I agree. I, I'm I'm like partial. I I because there's also so many of these episodes with just drag on, and you're like pick up the pace, people. We already know what's gonna happen. Um, so I I tend not to want to fault the writers when they do 
the fast um, exposition um, because I'd rather them get it out of the way so that we can focus on stuff that I would have never predicted. Right. <laughs> um, but I mean, you also set yourself up like you will. There better be a payoff here because you better not have fluff towards the end of the season or else my disappointment is going to be massive. Tons of foreshadowing just in this first episode. I guess my only hope is that the bulk of the season isn't entirely action. Not that I don't like action, but what I really love Game of Thrones for are these these deep character interactions, especially, like you said earlier, between these these B characters that you really grow to love more Mm -hmm. than James, John, and Daenerys. I I, I 100% agree. The, The action episodes... They are spectacle. They're, you can tell the work they put into them. They are set pieces, and it's just amazing what they do. Yeah. I can only do one episode a season. Yeah. And, and that's generally what they've done. It's, it's a pretty decent pace they've created for the later seasons. With that's that spectacle it. episode, usually the episode before the last episode. And, well, well, it's the perfect because you, you have that climax. And then they allow the final episode to do like the little epilogue. Yes. And, and it's just, it's, it's perfect narrative structure. Um, but, but why this show works so well is that even going into the episode or going into the action and coming out of it, you, you want these characters to live. You are very invested in their relationships. You want people to get justice who you think deserve it. You also want people to realize when they're wrong or to find some redemption, find some hope. So so there's a lot um, that comes out of the wars um, because there are some sacrifices. There are those moments where the leaders really rise and and um, the annoying people fall or are pushed out a window or are just like fed poison. I don't know. That's precisely. Yeah, the action <laughs> scenes have stakes because you care about the characters. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and it's cool because you don't get that often for on a TV show. Like those kind of action hour long. I mean, I was watching Arrow before we started. Well, I I had to skip through ports. I can't yeah. get I can't get into that show right now. It's so sad. <laughs> I know, and that's your Brit. I know. I, I, I well, I, you're to be forgiven because that the premise had such p- potential, but the execution just fell flat with me as well. Yeah, yeah. All and right. Especially for a show that's like, especially when you're coming back from a short hiatus. Any final points before we wrap it up? Um. Hmm. Well, this. I want to know so Will's predictions. Well, what are my, your predictions my, for this? Well, season? my predictions are that uh, you folks will be will not be disappointed in the finale, and it, even though they shot like what ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> really, I, I have a totally different opinion. I, I think this is this is going to be a half and half ordeal. I don't. Th- yeah. You can't please everybody, especially what, what, with a show of this stature. People are yeah. going to be way disappointed. How do you well, end something like this? Yeah. Well, no. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know the first two episodes are, are right under an hour, but then the last uh, last four are like either eighty or seventy five to eighty minutes long. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot to be packed into those those different 
to those final episodes. And of course, even though I don't watch the show, I mean, you can't help but not, not know the things that's happened mm-hmm. on it just from social media and seeing all the gifs of, of the <laughs> spectacles of the battles and the dragons and everything. So, um, but I think you're right, Lindsay. Folks are obviously when there's finales, you think you're going to go one way and, they go a completely other, and some people will enjoy it, some people won't. But you know, this show has just re- reached a level of zeitgeist that uh, you know it'll, it'll continue for for years on, just like Break, Breaking Bad. People will still be talking about the show. Oh, absolutely! And they've already have a prequel series lined up, so we're going to be yep. hearing about it till the end of time, I'd imagine. Yep. yep. All right. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you about Game of Thrones. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find me on my favorite place in the world, Twitter, at AferosXII, A-P-H-E-R-O-S-X-I-I. And Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me and pick at me for not watching Game of Thrones <laughs> at Will and Polk, that's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. You can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>